This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. Welcome, everyone, to the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. I'm Mariah Muhammad, writer and moderator with Becker's Healthcare. And I'm absolutely thrilled to have with me today Cynthia Whitaker, Vice President of Operations and Chief Nursing Officer at Guthrie Corning Hospital. Cynthia, it's very nice to have you on the podcast today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Mariah. I'm honored to be here today. Yeah, so glad to have you. Um, To get us started, would you mind please just introducing yourself and telling us a bit about your background? Sure. Um, So I'm Cindy Whitaker. I have been the chief nursing officer for Corning Hospital since 2020. I actually started my career with Guthrie uh, 12 years ago as a brand new nurse in the ICU at one of our sister hospitals, uh, Robert Packer Hospital. And back then, you know, I never really had a clear idea of what my career path was going to look like, and I loved critical care nursing. So during that time, I really thought I'm I'm going to be a critical care nurse for my whole career. It was it was truly a passion, um, but. I kind of found myself in the role of charge nurse in the ICU, and after doing that for you know over a year, the staff would would say to me, you know, you're really good at this. You should you should think about you know being the manager one day. You know, we really like it when you're here and, and you keep things controlled and you're calm. And you know, back then I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. This is great, but I'm I'm going to be a critical care nurse, you know, forever because I love this so much. And Actually, uh, Guthrie restructured their nursing leadership about a few years after I was in the ICU, and a position came up for an assistant manager on one of the trauma med surge units, and I thought, hmm, this is an opportunity I never really thought about for myself, but I had some life changes. I had just had uh, my my first child, and the 12-hour shifts weren't working great for us anymore, so I thought you know, let me give this a try. And, you know, I went for it and and I got the position. And after being in that position for six months, I was actually promoted to the manager of that unit uh, because, you know, I was so successful with forming relationships with the staff, improving engagement and staff satisfaction. Um, After doing that for about a year, they decided to give me another unit. So I had a total of 60 med surge beds And I had an assistant manager and an educator that worked with me. And we were very successful as a team, again, improving staff engagement and patient outcomes um, throughput. Uh, We did did very well. And when the chief nurse position came open at Corning Hospital, which is a smaller hospital compared to where I was at, I thought, you know, I never thought of myself as being a chief nurse, but this is an opportunity that's coming at the right time. And I think I'm going to go for it. And they took a chance on me and I started in this job, you know, right kind of in the middle of the pandemic and it was stressful and we struggled a bit and I've learned so much, but it has been, um, it's been a wild ride. It's been a very successful ride. And in April of this year, Guthrie decided to do some restructuring and they 
joined their VP of operations with the chief nurse role. And I was, I was awarded that role at Corning and, you know, it has, it has been great so far learning more of the operation side, how, you know, EVS, food and nutrition, rehab, all those services fit in with nursing operations. Uh, it makes sense. And uh, it, yeah, like I said, it's, it's going very well. And right now in my career, I'm just open to seeing what opportunities continue to come along for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations on all your success. I'm sure you have worked very hard to achieve all of it. Um, for the next question I wanted to ask you is, can you tell me about your most successful project or initiative from the last year? What issues were you trying to solve? And also what drove the success? Yeah, so I think during the pandemic, um, you know, hospitals came across a lot of challenges that maybe they didn't face uh, prior. And one of the things that, that happened here at Corning was an increase, a major increase in hospital acquired infections, especially during uh, the year 2022. That's really when the region that, that we're in, upstate New York, started to see a rise in the COVID positive patients. Now, Corning Hospital is a 65-bed community hospital. And one thing we saw through the pandemic is an increase in acuity. You know, we got sicker patients, patients that we were unable to transfer out because the bed availability wasn't there in the community. So we had to, you know, adapt and be flexible and bring more resources in to, to care for these patients. But with sicker patients along comes with the chance of more hospital-acquired infections, more falls. You know, it really impacts your quality outcomes. So during 2022, we saw a major rise in our CAUTI, our C. diff, and our CLABSI rates, and just not something that we ever really had to deal with. We, we never really had a lot of patients with Foley catheters or central lines. So I did some research, and I thought about, how can we how can we handle this differently than we used to? We we need more awareness around hospital acquired infections and around the lines that we have here. So in March of 2022, I started um, something called a daily device huddle. And what we do in this is is each morning our nurse leaders have a safety huddle on their unit where they talk with their staff, the frontline nurses which patients have a central line, which patients have a Foley catheter, and which patients um, may have a, a C. diff order that we still haven't collected. And they talk about why is the line in? When can it come out? What are the barriers to it coming out? Are there alternative devices that we can use, external catheters, so we can, we can get these out earlier? And then they come to this device huddle. And what's unique about device huddle is the presence of the executive leadership team. So I'm there, our president of the hospital attends, our chief medical officer, our infection preventionist, and the nurse managers come and they report out on, you know, I have a Foley in this room, it's in because of this, it's gonna come out on this day, or it can't come out because, and we have conversation, we ask questions. And when there's barriers presented, that's where, as the executive leadership team, we can help remove those barriers. So, for example, you know, maybe we have a catheter that, from the nursing's point of view, it can come out, the patient's ready, um, but maybe the provider is not there yet. They say, no, I want to keep it another day or two. That's where myself or my partner, my chief medical officer, we can step in and just have a conversation with the provider of, you know, what's in the, what's in the best interest of the patient. 
Um, so long story short, we are now over a year later, and we have been successful in reducing all caudy, clapsy, and C. diff rates to less than one. <clears throat> and when we talk about an N, you know, the number. So in the past year and a half, we've had one caudy and one C. diff. And what's unique about this is it actually has uh, been spread out to our other five or four sister hospitals throughout Guthrie, and they have all been able to maintain their hospital-acquired infection rates to less than one as well. And not only has this, you know, driven improved outcomes for our patient, because that's what it's about. We want our patients to know that they're safe when they come to get care here. We've also really shifted our culture of safety. We've empowered our caregivers to say, um, you know, I need help. I need to escalate this and um, have ownership over these lines. These are really, you know, nursing driven quality indicators. Nurses drive decreasing these hospital acquired infections and getting these lines out. Um, so I think, you know, that really has been my, my most successful project over the past year, and we continue to, to maintain that success. And we've also seen, you know, a shift in our engagement scores and our, and our satisfaction scores along with, you know, improved uh, culture of safety. Wonderful. Thank you so much for giving us all that insight. Um, the clinical workforce has changed a lot in the last few years, as I'm sure you are well aware. What challenges are you still facing and how do you see the clinical workforce evolving? Yeah, I think this is a, there, there's a lot to this question. So um, the clinical workforce changes daily, monthly. I think one thing we can't deny is there are not enough caregivers to care for the number of patients. And, you know, specifically speaking in my, in my area, you know, the biggest focus is on, on having enough registered nurses. Um, so I think that we as uh, nursing leadership and hospital leadership in general, we have to start thinking differently about how we're going to care for patients and how we're going to continue to give quality of care um, than we, you know, differently than we used to. One of the things that we're doing here and throughout the Guthrie system is changing to a, a team nursing model. So this was a model that was, you know, done back in the 80s, but we're kind of bringing it back, but doing it differently. And what it really involves, it involves bringing RNs and LPNs and care partners together and bringing LPNs back into inpatient care. When, you know, a few years ago when we did primary nursing, they were pushed back out to the clinics. So we're bringing them back into inpatient care. And we put them in a team format. So you've got an RN, an LPN, and a care partner taking care of a group of patients. What this allows us to do is really increase the number of hands available to care for patients. And it allows each individual to work at the top of their license. Um, it allows the RN to delegate appropriately. And it allows increased amount of time at the bedside with the patient. And I think, you know, we've done this on our nursing units and we've been successful and we've been able to improve outcomes, but I can see how it applies to other areas as well. So I think as leaders, we're going to have to continue to be proactive about areas where there are going to be shortages, such as uh, respiratory therapy, um, physical therapy, OT, 
And then how can we be creative with those care models so we can continue again to provide high quality care to patients? You know, we look at respiratory therapists. So maybe we need to add some more texts or to the respiratory therapy team, you know, and have RT texts that can break down equipment or put equipment together, clean equipment um, so that our respiratory therapists can work more at the top of their license um, and handle the patient care that they need to handle. And it's always going to be different upon in each region, you know, what, what your shortage is. But I think that it's really about being ahead of what's happening in the workforce and being proactive about how are we going to be ready to face this so that our patients don't feel any difference in, in, in their care, that they're getting the quality of care that we've always given. So I just, I wanted to mention as well, um, virtual, virtual care. Virtual care is still up and coming and, and it's expanding. Um, but I think this is going to continue to be very important in the inpatient world and using our technology to provide virtual support. So we're talking about virtual sitters, um, telemetry techs, virtual ICU nurses, virtual med surge nurses, people that can provide extra support uh, to the inpatient staff that are hands-on and support in the way that they can do documentation. You know, when, when here at Guthrie, we look at how many hours a day a nurse spends just documenting. It's really quite, it, it opens your eyes, right? And we need people to be able to at the bedside providing physical care to patients. And that's one thing we've already started doing here at Guthrie. So we actually have virtual ICU nurses and virtual med surge nurses um, and they can pop right in through cameras and patients' rooms, and they can document turns, and they can document admissions and discharges. They can talk with families. Um, and this is also huge because it provides a support, especially to our newly licensed nurses just coming out of school. You know, that's where our biggest pipeline of new nurses is coming anymore is, is our new grads every year and having these experienced nurses virtually where they can just ask them questions or they can pop in, you know, through cameras in the rooms and help help these nurses. Um, I think that's going to be huge for recruitment and retention. And I, you know, I'm really proud to say that Guthrie is ahead of the game in this area. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. So thank you so much for sharing all that insight. And before I let you go, the last thing I wanted to ask you is, what is your best advice for aspiring physician nurse leaders? So my best advice, and I think what has gotten me um, the farthest in my career, is to be authentic, be you, know your values, and stay true to them. And when you are an authentic leader, it is it makes it that much easier to make real connections with people. And I have found that ha relation, my relationships with others has really uh, helped me in inspiring change and um, moving initiatives forward. And I think another really important component is practicing self-awareness, knowing yourself and recognizing when you're wrong and being okay, being okay with admitting that. One of my mentors, I think um, one of her greatest pieces of advice to me was, you know, the, the two best attributes that a leader can have is humility and vulnerability. Um, because when the people you work with can, can see that you're human too, and you make mistakes, 
and you can admit it, you know, th that goes a long way with people and really valuing yourself, taking breaks when you need it, right? The pandemic taught us anything. It taught us that uh, healthcare workers in general, we, we burn out easily and we need to be aware of that. And then lastly, you know, network and take advantage of opportunities when they come along. Um, I think that, you know, during my career, things have come along and they felt right at the right time. And I was able to take advantage of that. And, um, you know, we should, we should always have our eyes open and be ready for the next thing. Yes, I completely agree. Thank you so much for those final thoughts. This has been an amazing and informative discussion. So again, I want to thank you so much for coming on Becker's Healthcare. We really do appreciate it. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you. And again, I really appreciate the opportunity. Of course. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.